Playfield and Associates is based in Sydney on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to Gadigal elders and to traditional custodians of country throughout Australia. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. Episode 83, and a quick note from me before we jump into this week's interview. You'll probably have guessed from my voice that I've unfortunately caught COVID, and while it's very mild, thank heavens for medical science and vaccines. It means I'm not going to mess about with my reflections on this interview um, and instead let's jump straight into it. Uh, this week I'm speaking with Patrick Pheasant from NIAS and you'll hear about the super impressive work they're doing and you'll also be pleased to know and you'll hear uh, that the interview was recorded before the virus got me at my voice box. Here's Patrick and what he and his members are doing to help Ukraine and across our region. Enormously impressive. Enjoy. Well, it is, as always, I say this every time I welcome a new guest, but it truly is a great pleasure to be joined this week by Patrick Pheasant, who is heading up NIAS, which I'm sure everyone in international education will know is the um, English Language Accreditation Scheme Service. Patrick, I've suddenly forgotten what the S stands for. Scheme, yes, so oh, there's a yeah. national, national ELT Accreditation Scheme. Thank you very much. And Patrick, so here's me saying everyone will know what it is and then I stumble in unpacking the acronym. So that's very embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, but Patrick, NIAS has been around for a while and plays a really important role both in Australia and increasingly internationally. So it's great to have you on the podcast to talk through what you're doing. But before I get you talking about what you're currently doing, first of all, welcome and tell us a little bit about who you are and your career in the sector and then fill us in on your current role. Yeah, no, sure. Thanks, Claire, and thanks for um, for having me. Um, yeah, so, well, I mean, my name is Patrick Pheasant and I've been in the role as Chief Executive Officer at NIAS Australia for seven years now. But prior to that, I ran the University of Sydney Centre for English Teaching. And this was, you know, a, a large LACOS centre uh, belonging to the University of Sydney. So I worked there for 10 years. Prior to that, I lived and worked in the US, in New York, ran continuing professional education programs for a large multi-site vet provider or vocational education provider in the States. And before that, I lived and worked in Japan for 10 years. My background, I'm a, a high school drama and English teacher and, you know, English language and drama has kind of followed me throughout my career. I had also had a quick stint in, in Amsterdam doing corporate training there for um, a corporate training organisation looking at English language and workplace readiness and career development. So it's followed me around, English language and drama. More recently, I, I completed my PhD in using drama to teach English language and 
yeah, I've, I've been very, very keen on researching what happens with English language students when they're engaged, when they're embodying the language, and when they're, you know, the teacher is using role play and improvisation to um, to help them experience English language. Very happy to be in this role at NIES. I was on the uh, the NIES Advisory Council for a little while and also Vice President of the University English Language Centres of Australia, UWECA, and that then led me to this role. And it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience to be working for NIES. You know, it's such a, such a fantastic organisation with a great reputation. It's been around for 30 years, created by the sector for the sector, and uh, certainly has, has seen you know the uh, the the peaks and troughs of the um, Ellicott sector over over the last three decades, and more recently coming out of COVID, undergoing quite a bit of transformation. Brilliant. Well, I speak to a lot of really amazing and interesting people on this podcast. It's such a treat, but I am hugely jealous of your career to date thinking about living and working and doing those kind of roles that you've done in Amsterdam and Tokyo and New York. I'm sitting here green with envy as as we chat. Now, you talked about your time at NIAS. Patrick, it has been an interesting time. Things were booming as you stepped into the role. And then obviously, the sector and the world ran into COVID-19 and it had a very profound impact, particularly on the English language sector. I think during COVID, we we talked in the sector about a lot about the universities and in actual fact, while it was difficult for them, they managed and, and many have come out of it actually in a, in a stronger position than and they went into it. And I think what was under-discussed at the time was the impact on the English language sector. And yet, we were speaking just briefly prior to recording about the resilience of your members and the Alicost sector. And so very few English language providers permanently closed their doors and walked away during COVID. So talk us through what that was like for the sector, the COVID-19 experience, and the resilience that's exemplified in English language providers. You know, you're, you're right in saying it was, you know, a tough time for um, for everyone, and you know, especially I think the LA cost sector was was you know dramatically impacted. You know, of course, you know Australia was was locked down, and we had no international students for quite a long time. And you know, we all hear about this massive transformation to online delivery and remote delivery that occurred and you know to see the way that you know English language teachers within the LACOS sector sometimes overnight rapidly transforming their their delivery and their courses uh, to online delivery to keep the provision of English language teaching continuing so that was amazing to see that um, you know that very very rapid transformation NIAS and quality assurance framework that we operate within you know is it's a set of standards there's 14 different areas and it's very much an organic and and growing framework you know we we respond to what's happening in the sector and create new standard areas on a regular basis we were lucky that we had started to investigate online delivery for english language teaching prior to covid about two years before covid we we saw that you know there are in the sector who were used either to supplement their their face-to-face delivery of English language teaching or in some cases actually delivering completely online 
into you know very kind of global set of audiences and we thought this was a space that was you know had no regulation and certainly wasn't covered under the the ESOS Act or the national standards so NIAS went into this space, designed a set of standards for online delivery. We got this benchmarked through our international counterparts and we were endorsing online delivery before COVID. And and luckily, we had a little bit of track record there because, of course, when everyone went online, uh, you know, the the quality was on a wide spectrum and there were no no real kind of standards to to look at. So many organisations in the sector actually went through an endorsement process during COVID with us for their online delivery. And in some cases, they were actually funded by the government. So Trade and Investment Queensland funded nearly all of the Queensland Melancos providers to have their online delivery endorsed by NIAS. So we survived because of that. NIAS, you know, I guess found found a place during COVID. We were unable to, to do site visits, but we completely reframed our quality assurance process, delivering professional development online, looking at quality review visits online, and really providing you know a lot of support online to our our providers. And I think that was greatly appreciated. I, we also surveyed students actually throughout the entire COVID period, and it was fascinating to see the the change in perceptions of students with online delivery. You know, initially. Uh, students were very supportive of online delivery. They wanted to keep on studying, of course, and you know, really wanted to continue with their studies. They were very appreciative of online delivery, very supportive. But what we found was towards the end of COVID and coming out of COVID, students started to have much higher expectations about their online experience. And this, this was really interesting to, to watch their kind of adaptation over the years through COVID. Some great support from the sector as well with innovation grants to support Elicos and that was you know managed very well by English Australia and I think uh, you know really really made the sector think about how do we create fantastic online experiences for students and interestingly Claire me, me personally you know using drama and role play in the classroom it's always about you know, engaging and embodying language and, you know, you pick up so much when you're in the classroom with students. So I had a personal steep learning curve as well to get my head around how do I, how do I, you know, engage students in role-playing and improvisation online when it's, you know, all through Zoom. So, yeah, lots of, uh, lots of learnings there uh, all around. But, you know, also just to see kind of the focus on mental health and student well-being was just really Really heartening to see, you know, the Ellicott sector is always stuck together. There's certainly been peaks and troughs over the years, you know, with different world events occurring that kind of, you know, are broken up student mobility. But I think the Ellicott sector has always supported uh, itself and its members. And, uh, you know, just to see see the way different centres, you know, group together to support students. You know, we saw even some centres, you know, Allowing students to to bunk down in their classrooms while you know their kind of rental accommodations had been all you know moved around and changed. So supplying food packs we saw as well. So you know some some really heartening stories in there about support not just to the you know to each other but to the students as well. 
Um, and then I guess the kind of final thing we noted because of, and this was really through NIAS's international reach. So we have we have just over 200 members of which about a third are actually based internationally, mostly in the ASEAN region. So we continue to endorse those centres through COVID as well. And what we noticed was a very interesting phenomenon, you know, as the doors were closed to Australia, students kept on studying English, but they studied in country. So we saw some of those endorsed providers in countries like Vietnam and Thailand actually increase their student numbers during COVID because those students were no longer travelling to Australia. And I think um, I think this has really opened our eyes to the, you know, the student life cycle and journey where, you know, students are now sometimes even as young as three or four studying, you know, English at a, an Australian endorsed institution and parents are targeting Australia as a, you know, a final destination for their, their children's education. But the, the Australian experience is actually starting, you know, very, very young in country. And I think this is certainly something to, you know, look at, you know, the future. How can we, how can we create an Australian experience, a study experience for students who, you know, don't necessarily come to Australia until perhaps their, you know, their final degree, for example. Lovely. And implicit in that is the quality of the Australian experience. And again, that that ties to, to NIAS and its role and your members and like you, I've been struck hearing, you know, we're both here in Bangkok at the API conference, hearing more about those insights on how English language changed in the region during COVID. And, and yes, definitely that interest in, in partnerships and engagement with Australia, as you've just described it. Now, sticking with Thailand, where we are at the moment, it's one of the countries where Demand for English language study in Australia has bounced back strongest when I looked at the statistics most recently. So can you share with us any takeaways from the conference in general and anything Mm -hmm. particularly in relation to that very strong rebound and surge in interest from Thailand? Yeah, look, it's um, it's been great to be at the, the conference here in Bangkok, the API conference. You know, it's been uh, it's been online for a couple of years, and just uh, to get a sense of the um, the energy and the you know the vibe in person at the conference has been you know really really great this week, and some of the presentations very inspiring. And I, I noticed, you know, at the conference there was a strong theme in many of the presentations about partnerships and about sustainability, and you know, a kind of mutually collaborative and beneficial, you know arrangement between you know Australian providers and education providers in the ASEAN region of course especially in Thailand because this is where it's been host to yeah look it's um it's interesting so in, in Australia I think we have you know the, the quality is exceptionally high and world renowned and you know an indication of that is you know in Thailand's one of the main universities, Mahidong University, is actually NIAS endorsed and was one of the first universities in the region to become NIAS endorsed. And Mahidong University has always stated that, you know, they viewed Australian quality assurances as one of the best in the world. And, you know, I think 
I think because of the way things are set up in Australia, because of the relationship between the regulators, you know, the the government, the peak bodies, and organisations like NIAS, you know that that ecosystem of of quality really is is world famous, and so I think organisations look to Australia to to model on and also communicate to their students that you know Australia is a a great place to to have education. So back to these kind of like long pipelines and these you know long student experiences as they are destined for Australia. I think the providers in the region really have a strong place to play in that, to to track students, to support students in their English language development as they, you know, progress towards studying in Australia. So it's a very, very, uh, you know, because of the, the close proximity in our countries, I think is is one of the, the key elements. And I think also, too, if you look at, NIAS's relationship with Qualen, which is an international consortium of quality assurance agencies around the world. NIAS was the founding member of Qualen, and we have counterparts in New Zealand, in the States, Canada, the UK, Malta, South Africa. And we benchmark, you know, our standards in Australia against their standards on a regular basis. So a very strong sense of what's happening in different regions. And there is no quality assurance agency for English language teaching in the ASEAN region. So I think Australia has a big, big part to play in this. And, you know, it would be great to, to have more support from, you know, the Australian government and Australian providers to, to get into this space more because, as I mentioned, you know, students, parents, teachers and organisations like Mahidong University are looking to Australia for partnerships and for sending their students, and I think um, I think it's an opportunity that's really there and uh, and available and very current. Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, obviously you're you're the expert in this, but having spent this week at the conference, what I've been struck by is the incredibly high regard for Australia for its English language provision. When I think about higher education and VET, we are in serious competition with the UK, US and Canada. In English language in the ASEAN region, we are head and shoulders above the rest and A, that's important and B, as you've described now, in a couple of different ways, the really genuine interest in working with Australia in country here or across the the ASEAN region with a view to students subsequently coming to Australia. So I think it's it's enormously exciting and it's an area where we truly are head and shoulders above, you know, those that we think of as our competitors in the broader international education field. Now, Patrick, Mm -hmm. I wanted to end on quite a different note because this is quite a different space where NIAS and its members are making a difference and it relates to Ukraine and a request as I understand it from the Ukrainian ambassador for help to improve the English language skills of Ukrainian teachers and NIAS has and its members have stepped up to to meet that need. Can you can you fill us in on the amazing work that you and your members are doing there? Yeah, no, sure. I'd be happy to um, share. And, and we are really proud of this. 
you know, really an important activity to do. And I think really reaffirms just how English language is. I mean, learning English language or learning English is not just, you know, about learning learning how to speak English or, you know, learning grammar and so on. It's really about what happens in the classroom and how do you support and manage those experiences of the students. And, you know, some of the experiences are real hard moments for students. And, you know, some can actually, you know, depending on which country they're, they're learning in, can actually, you know, bring up, a, you know, quite a lot of powerful emotions. And, you know, especially if, you know, the students had some type of trauma or some type of, um, you know, history. So we're really excited to be offering, a, you know, a series of presentations under our new project called the Ukraine Workshop Series. This opens on the 20th of March and will be a month-long series of 20-minute presentations from Australian Holocaust providers and and related organisations to specifically explore for Ukrainian English language teachers how to look at trauma-informed practice. So we have some great presentations from, from some fantastic Australian providers looking at trauma-informed approach to teaching vulnerable children, evidence-based trauma-informed second language teaching to adults, and exploring topics around how do we create an environment of positive growth during challenging times. So um, we haven't expected 1,500 participants in this program, all Ukrainian English language teachers, some of them still in Kiev and in Ukraine and others that have been displaced around Europe. It's free and it will culminate in a live panel and on the panel will be myself and the Ukrainian ambassador for Australia and New Zealand. And they are also one of our partners in Ukraine for Go Global. So this will be a live panel exploring, you know, these issues around uh, trauma-informed practice. And this is, uh, you know, kind of a really worthy, uh, worthy project and one that we're really we're really excited about and putting a lot of effort into. And interestingly, you mentioned it's the other side of the world, Claire, but there is a, quite a strong connection to the ASEAN region with this project because we are using a platform and a model that we originally used for delivering English language teacher training to Vietnamese and Thai teachers. We were sponsored by the Australian government a couple of years ago to to offer workshops to English language teachers, especially in the kind of rural areas in Vietnam and Thailand. And um, both of those workshops had over three thousand participants in them, so very kind of wide wide reach, uh, and looked at uh, things around innovation in teaching, and uh, you know, really in embodied language teaching practices. So all of these workshops are available to the public. They're all free. So, you know, if anyone listening would like to have a look at some of those, the Thai workshop series or the Vietnam workshop series, or join us for the Ukraine workshop series this month, uh, you're more than welcome to join. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been really, uh, it's been a great learning experience to understand how, you know, students have these emotional responses in our classrooms and Normally, this has been deemed to be out of scope for the English language teacher. And, you know, I have those experiences in my classrooms too. The student might have a very emotional response and 
we often just kind of pack them up and send them out of the classroom to the counsellor, which is, you know, one one way to, to look at this. But we're hoping through these workshops, teachers will have a little bit more of an understanding about what students are bringing to the classroom and how they might actually, you know, triage and, and work with those experiences with the students and, you know, provide the right referral and support as necessary, but also not freak out in their classroom when, you know, a student reveal some of their past history so really excited about it and yeah looking forward to the responses yeah just enormously important and such a credit to you and your members for stepping in and providing this support I think it's it's just extraordinary and I suspect will also be of significant help to the Ukrainian English language teachers themselves who let's face it they're also dealing with with trauma so Huge congratulations. Patrick, I'll include a link to the NIAS website in the notes for this episode. So if people are wanting to, I'm sure they can find your website, but if they want to, they can click through and um, and then have a look at the workshops that you've mentioned. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with the, me this morning. I've certainly learned an awful lot. And again, huge congratulations to you and your members for the great work that you're doing. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me. 